Hello everybody and welcome to Music Industry Insights Worldwide Volume 4. And today I have the amazing Wyatt O'Brien Evans with us. Hi Wyatt, how are you? How are you Saskia? Very Happy well. New Year. Happy New Year to you and thank you for your time and for coming on to the show today. Very much appreciate that. My pleasure. Thank you. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from and what you do? Well, I'm across the pond. I'm in the United States. Um, I'm in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. I am a journalist. Yeah. I'm an author. My new novel is called Nothing Can Tear Us Apart Shattered. Yeah. Um, podcaster. I've got the Wyatt podcast. You can find that at the Wyatt O'Brien Evans YouTube channel and Spotify. Yeah. And also, too, Saskia, I am an intimate partner violence and abuse. The acronym is IPVA subject matter expert. I'm a speaker and advocate, and I'm a survivor as well. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Wow, you've got many, many talents there. So um, tell us a little bit about your journey into the industry and how long have you been doing this for? Wow. I have been in media entertainment for probably about 25 years. Um, I used to be a stand-up comic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did pretty well, actually. Um, I was in the I was doing a lot of the East Coast of America. Lovely. Unfortunately, I stopped because this was like in the late 80s, the early 90s. I couldn't be my authentic self. I wanted to do LGBTQ material, right. but we weren't, you know, mainstream wasn't ready for that at that point. So I just felt a little bit like a fraud. Yeah. And so I just decided, well, this is really not for me. So then I'm, like I said, I'm a journalist as well. I've written for the Huffington Post, uh, Washington Post, et cetera. Fantastic. I have my own website, wyattevans.com. So I decided to go into journalism. Then I decided to write fiction, um, LGBTQ plus fiction. So right. I've always been in media and entertainment. Yeah, fantastic. And did you have an education around that or did you just get into it through your own passions? Right. Um, I have two degrees, two BA degrees, uh, journalism and political science. So I try to use both of those like synergistically yeah. in my right. Yeah. OK, that's exactly. interesting. And did you find that helped you to get to where you are now? Has that helped you and kind of propelled you to success? It did. It did. Um, you really have to, you know, when you're an author, when you are just writing, period, you yeah. really have to have a strong background in that. Um, so I was fortunate that, you know, I loved English. I loved journalism. So I made a point to be really proficient in both of those arenas. Fantastic. And what kind of challenges and barriers have you faced access in the industry? If you'd like to share some of those with us. Oh, certainly. That's key. And that's a really, really good question. Um, being African-American and being gay or same gender loving poses its problems in journalism. Not so much now, but when I was starting out, like in the late 80s and the 90s, you know, um, writing about those types of issues really wasn't on the forefront. Yeah, It was a little poo-pooed. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, poo-pooed, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just being an African-American, period. Yeah. You know, it, it, 
there are inherent barriers with the institutional racism thing because you know when you're African American, you have to instead of being a hundred percent, two hundred percent, they want you to be one hundred fifty percent, which can be really unrealistic. But you know that's the world that we live in. And that's part of me doing this show as well, is to try and have that equity as well as the equality and diversity, because we don't all start at those same starting points. And we've all got our own unique challenges that we have to overcome to get to where we are today. So that's some of the reasons why I ask these questions is so other people can see that they're not the only ones that face these barriers. And also to try and highlight how we kind of overcome them too. I'll tell you a quick, funny story. It, it's funny, but it, it was sad. I can laugh at it now, but yeah. it was sad at the, at the, at the moment. Um, I interviewed, I was interviewing for this writing job, right? And um, they were, you know, they read my credentials. They were happy to, to, to have me to come in. When I came in, the whole organization was, I would say, 90% white. Right. 90% white. I get in there and they look at me like I'm from the planet Mars. They didn't think, you know, with Wyatt Evans, you know, that name is not quote unquote black, right? Yeah. So when I got there, it was like, I knew that I wasn't going to get this job, even, even if I walked on water. So I just, in, you know, midway in the interview, I just said, look, obviously you're not going to hire me. So I just left. I'm sorry to because hear I knew, yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that because that's not okay. And that's not how you should be treated. And I and I often feel the same way now. Being a transfer, you know, I think I'm trying to face some of the barriers that you've maybe already overcome and faced 20 or 30 years ago. I find that some of those topics I'm facing, my community is facing at the moment. So I can really relate to that. And I'm sorry to hear that too. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And how does that impact you? And, your, and the way you feel about yourself and your self-worth and kind of your progression, how has that affected you? Wonderful question. Um, it, it bothered me. At first, I thought it was my fault that I really wasn't qualified. But I said to myself, I've got a great resume. I've written for organizations and publications. It's their problem. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you're, when you're young, you don't have the experience to, you know, to say, look, it's not me, it's them. Yeah. So initially I took it really very hard because I really wanted that job. Aww. You know, yeah, yeah, I did. And I knew that I could bring a lot of value to the organization, but you know, sometimes it is I, what it is. It is. And I try and look at things in a positive light myself now. And I think sometimes rejection is God's protection and that's the way I try and look at it too is sometimes maybe that wasn't meant for me anyway because of the environment exactly. right exactly exactly yeah well put so what are your kind of thoughts and feelings around equality diversity inclusion in the entertainment industry at this moment in time I know you're based in the state so it's going to be slightly different to here in the UK but what are your thoughts and feelings on that in the states we still have a long way to go as far as um, sexual orientation and skin color, we really, really do. Um, it's like the, it, it's like the pendulum, particularly with African Americans succeeding in the entertainment business. Like the pendulum shifts. You know, there's a point where we're the rage for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Then something else. Not so much. Yeah. Um, so we still have so many barriers to overcome. Things are better. You yeah. know, I'm the type of person I like to look at the glass half full. Right. 
Yeah. Things are better, but it needs to get better for race and sexual orientation and gender. Okay. So if there was two things you could change in the next couple of years, any two things, what would they be specifically? Ooh, um, hmm. There needs to be, this definitely, Saskia, it needs to be more representation mm-hmm. in the LGBTQ community and movies and TV in the States, and particularly portraying trans individuals, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. And within that subset, there needs to be more, you need to see more Black gay men in TV and movies. Um, and, and we don't see that. That's one of the reasons why I wrote my Nothing Can Tear Us Apart series of novels, because I talk about basically the theme is two men of color, one Latino, one African-American, who are working hard to keep their monogamous relationship alive and well. Yes. Intimate partner violence and abuse is one of the themes. So in movies and TV, we need to see more LGBTQ plus representation, particularly transgender. And we also need to see more Black and LGBTQ people behind the scenes, because when you think about it, behind the scenes is most important. They decide what's going to be on the screen. Yes. So we need more of us in positions of power to make that happen. That's a great answer. And I think that's something that I'm always working on is to have communities writing about their own communities rather than outside of your community, writing what they think the community should be or how the community is when it's not the authentic representation of that. So I think that really helps. Exactly. Yes. So Mm -hmm. do you think the cultural and age differences have had an impact on the kind of equality and diversity around LGBT, gay men, trans people, Do you think that's had an impact in the political atmosphere as well in the States? Because it can be very divisive. So do you think that's had an impact on the success and the role models and the visibility? Yeah, you know, ageism, unfortunately, Saskia, in the States anyway. Yeah. Ageism is alive and well. Um, I'm an old guy. You're not (laughs) not an old guy. Don't you dare say that's why. That's not true. You're a spring chicken still in my eyes. You've got loads of life left yet. I love that. But, you know, I'm not going to tell people how old I am, but, you know, ageism is alive and well. It appears, I mean, even in straight uh, mainstream entertainment, the focus is on youth. When you hit 40, it's like bye bye, you're out to pasture. But we need to see more stories of of LGBTQ people of color. We we need to see that because the world isn't just 20s and 30-something people. You know, we need to see, we need to see so many different stories to reflect the true diversity of the world that we live in. I love that. And I really respect that. And it's another thing that we can look at. It's like 20 and 30 year olds, like, hey, some of them might have experienced that intimate partner violence. And a lot of people might not have even experienced it at that age because I hadn't when I was in my 20s or 30s. So I think that's also another thing where as I've kind of grown up and got older is that you experience more, you learn more along the way and you're able to relate to those and represent those as well as part of your own personality and your persona, right? Absolutely. And, you know, in the States anyway, um, 
people 50, 60, and 70 are experiencing, experiencing rather, intimate partner violence and abuse. You know, they're, they may be living alone, they may, may be lonely, and they're susceptible to that predator who gets into their home and abuses them. So there are stories to be told across the age spectrum. Yes, and I think that's really, really important, isn't it, to show that. It so kind of tell it us, what do you think being in the mental, and also you're, you're an author, so you write books. Tell us a little bit more about that. And obviously being a Black author as well, what's that like? Because that must be, that must come with a lot of challenges too, right? Oh my goodness, yeah. Um, like I said, I write the Nothing Can Tear Us Apart series of novels. Shattered is a new um, installment. It's getting really great reviews and it's resonating with bi people, straight people, trans people, you know, both LGBTQ plus and, and straight individuals alike. Um, I, I created my own independent publishing company to publish it because when I went to agents, either no, we don't want to talk about upwardly mobile um, gay men, you know, people, gay men, be they Latino or Black, we don't want to hear about that. Um, so even, or what they wanted to do, Saski, is change the theme, change the message, and I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to give up that type of controls. I published it myself. So trying to get an agent was really very difficult. Trying to get the message across, trying to convince publishers that there is an audience for upwardly mobile gay men of color, but yeah. they didn't see it. So actually, it was good they that I didn't take the deals because I was able to do it myself, control it, and present it the way that I wanted to. Right. Um, but in the States, it's really hard anyway, be you white, black, whatever, to get a publishing contract, a publishing deal. So um, it, it's tough. But, well, but when you're black and when you're LGBTQ+, it's even more difficult. Well done for succeeding and for doing what you do and being such a great advocate and role model for, for the work you do. I think it's fantastic. Um, and you're still smiling and you're still going strong. So keep the amazing work up, I think. This year's going to be a great year for you to also promote your book and stuff and all the other work you do, whether that be radio presenting, speaking, or the intimate partner violence advising. So I think you've got many, many hats there. So just keep doing what you're doing and stay positive and keep working hard mm -hmm. enough. You're going to do some amazing things. Um, do you think it's affected your mental health, um, mm -hmm. doing the things that you do, or the way you feel about yourself? Well, oh, wow, that's a really good question. Um, I have suffered from depression throughout my life because it, when I was growing up, I had a difficult time dealing with my sexual orientation. And then my first relationship was emotionally and mentally abusive. Fortunately, I was able to get out of that. And, you know, I'm healed. So I'm a really strong proponent of therapy because that saved my life. Um, so, you know, being a survivor of IPVA was tough. There was a lot of depression where that was concerned. And just when you're African-American in the States, um, with the institutional and systemic racism, that'll put anybody in depression. So when you have those things going on, the 
the IPVA, you know, the the, the racism, um, the discrimination. It's it can be a perfect storm, and you really have to be very cognizant about how you're feeling about your mental health. And like I said, I'm a strong advocate of seeing an appropriate therapist. It 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 will save your life. It really will. I've personally been to therapy myself and I found that very, very oh. useful. I went through my own um, domestic violence incident. So I think that really, really helped me actually to understand what red flags are and just little things that I didn't even understand previously because I wasn't right. aware of them. So I think also going to therapy, it's not just about the way you feel, but it's also understanding techniques and the way you deal with situations yourself and how to better prevent those from happening again. Exactly, exactly. Um, I, I like it. I, I give people this example. When I do workshops about IPVA and I talk about the whole mental health thing, It's I, I, here's the example I give. Let's say, for example, you break your arm, right? You're not going to treat it yourself. You're going to go to the doctor. He or she will probably prescribe pain meds and put it in a cast. So uh, you have to, you, you you need to seek professional help. It doesn't necessarily mean you're crazy. It just means that you need to work on something so that you can heal and feel better. And also process the trauma that you've been through and recover from right. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. And kind of, have you ever also, I know you've touched on this already, discrimination and stigma, but do you still suffer from that now? Even though you've done all these things and you're doing all these amazing jobs, the lack of opportunities, the discrimination, the stigma, do they still exist? Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, stigma is like, can be the albatross around your neck that's choking you. Particularly where intimate partner violence and abuse is concerned. And that's why you have a lot of gay men that reporting it because no man wants it known that another man is beating him, right? So that that's stigma there. Stigma also in when you're African American or you're a person of color and you're just dealing with trying to survive in the world because still you have this too many people put a premium on whiteness yes you know so stigma can affect you in so many different ways it affects you know people of different genders different orientation sexual orientations different ethnicity ethnicities different races and I think that's another great point you make, actually, when I think about it, because I'm from a mixed heritage myself. So my mom's African-American, as I said to you before. And I think it's harder for, must be harder for certain people in different communities, for example, the black community to be accepted as gay than it would be for someone from the white community to be gay as well. And those different challenges. Right. So how did you find that? I'm so glad, Seski, you touched on that, because unfortunately, too many times in the African-American community. Yeah. Uh, if you're gay, you're ostracized. Yeah. That stigma there. Um, sometimes, unfortunately, being gay or same gender loving just isn't readily acceptable in the African-American community. So therefore, you have that stigma and then you're entering the world at large. So you're dealing with white racism, right? Yeah. And then you're LGBTQ. Systemic. So you have. Yeah. Exactly. 
So you've got all of these different forces coming together and it's just a whirlwind that you have to deal with to get through to the other end, right? And I really feel for you. And this is why we need more representation of role models like yourself, speaking up and sharing these stories so other people can understand them from your point of view. Does that make sense? That makes absolute sense because all of these stressors, if you're not careful, will put you into a chronic depression. It yeah. really will. Yeah. And it's about being positive and doing positive things and, and trying to build a community around you that understands you and that can also support you when you need that support, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. Again, I'm the type of guy, I stay as positive as, as I possibly can and I believe in the in the glass being half full. Right, that makes sense. Like or more. That. Yeah, but as long as it's not full, because you can't have it to be full, can you? You need to have that little bit of space where you can just kind of decompress and be yourself. Exactly. Definitely. So the last question, this has gone really fast actually. So what are your mm. successes and wins in the industry? And do you have any up, anything's up and coming projects, singles or releases that you would like to share with the viewers? Okay, thank you. Um, well, my my podcast, Wyatt, yeah. my Eponemius podcast, like I said, on YouTube and Spotify, is doing so extremely well. And what I do with the podcast is I highlight critical issues in the LGBTQ plus community. And I have individuals who are making their mark within the community. It could be an activist, an author, a porn star. It could be um, a politician, because what I try to do with the podcast is represent all as much as the, of the LGBTQ plus community as possible. And the podcast is doing extremely well. I'm so proud of it. And my Nothing Can Tears Apart series of novels is really making people think about intimate partner violence and abuse. Um, it's a great conversation about monogamy, particularly within the African-American people of color community. So I'm so proud of those two successes. Um, I am working on the next novel as we speak. I started it yesterday. Um, yeah. And um, I'm growing the podcast. So yeah, I'm I'm really and I'm and I'm also still on the shattered tour. So I'm gonna be doing virtual events, virtual events and also in-person events. So I got a lot going on and it's so much fun. So if people want to find you on your social media handles or on any any kind of websites, do you want to shout those out now so people can find them? And I'll leave them in the description below as well. So if anyone's interested in finding the work that you do, it will be in the description below as well. I need a cheat sheet. Okay, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> Go to my website, which is WyattEvans.com. You can find me on Twitter at M-I-S-T-E-R-W-O-E. -E. That's Mr. Well. Um, also, too, on Facebook, Wyatt O'Brien Evans. And Instagram is S-I-R dot Wyatt Official. So that's Sir dot Wyatt Official. Fantastic. That's been amazing. And thank you again for coming on the show and just sharing some of your challenges, some of those barriers, what you're doing now. And where's your next couple of tours in America? Is there any places in America that people might be able to come and see you in person? Where's your next stops on your tour? 
well, you know what? I will know more about that probably in about a week and a half. You can always go to the events page at WyattEvans.com and it's all there. Perfect. So if anyone's listening in the States, please go along and support Wyatt and the amazing work that Wyatt's doing and for the rest of the LGBT community, because it's absolutely fantastic. And it's been such a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Saskia, you are fantastic. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate your kind words and God bless you and stay up with the amazing work that you're doing. And I'm, I'm so glad we have met. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. That's a pleasure. Thank you. Mwah!